concept of relationship and connection. One of the things that's most destructive to a person is isolation, being isolated, being alone. You are listening to The JP Show, where we discuss the issues you care about from a Jewish perspective. I am Rabbi G. I am Rabbi Levy. And we hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, I am Rabbi G. And we continue the discussion on trauma and the response to trauma. So, of course, the as an opening message, uh, the purpose of raising awareness of any challenge, including trauma, is really to embark on a journey of healing. And with trauma, we see many, many different strategies, therapies that are brought in the classic literature and the writings on trauma. And when I say trauma, obviously we're talking about more the, not so much the trauma, but the effects of trauma, the PTSD, the anxiety, the addictions, that everything that comes from trauma. So what I want to try and do is just to mention a few of them with a bit of a Jewish perspective and then continue the discussion. But the things I'm wanting to mention are, are mentioned in the context of how we respond and how we embark on the journey of healing. But in fact, they are also strategies in terms of prevention. These are strategies that make us stronger people um, in general and make it possible for us to prevent the effects of trauma. And if we did have a traumatic experience and we are affected by it, to hopefully get onto the road of recovery. The first one I wanted to talk about is the idea of bringing calmness, and they talk about um, breathing and bringing calmness to the body, basically to get in control of our responses and control of the way we think and respond to different triggers and different things that happen to us. And part of that involves mindful living, being present, being focused, on what we're doing and where we are and how we're responding and being aware of our own responses. Now, mindful living is really, really important and it's very um, very powerful, as we know. It's been very popular for a number of decades. But from a Jewish perspective, being, being mindful is really important. First of all, any experience that we have, anything that we experience, any moment that we go through is a moment that's important. It's a moment created by God and it's a moment which was meant to happen. It's an experience that was meant to happen to us. And therefore, being aware, being fully present, and getting the full experience out of it is very powerful, and it gives us the awareness to focus on what we're doing now. But more importantly, and perhaps on a deeper level, one of the foundations we talked about last week was this idea that we all live for a purpose. You know, and sometimes when we experience something very traumatic, we become overwhelmed and despondent by thinking, well, I don't know if I can still live with a purpose. I, you know, to embark on the next part of our life with real meaning and depth is just too overwhelming. But when we live mindfully, it's more about what's the purpose now. We let go of the past. We let go of the anxiety of the future. And we just focus on this 10 minutes, this experience I'm having now, thinking to ourselves, what, is, what can I accomplish now? Forget about yesterday. Forget about what I'm going to do tomorrow. It doesn't matter. What am I going to focus on now? What can I accomplish now? So that's one brief idea. The second is physical health. You know, it's a mitzvah in the Torah to take care of our body. And there's a famous Hasidic saying that a small hole in the body creates a big hole in the soul. Now, of course, when we talk about trauma, that's very important because we know that our emotional well-being is linked, and particularly in the studies of trauma, to our physical well-being, and therefore vice versa. If we do exercise, if we, if we 
rest adequately, if we um, eat properly and, and take care of ourselves, obviously without being obsessed with ourselves, but yet taking care of ourselves, that is uh, a definitely an important part, an important aspect of the recovery. Thirdly, and very importantly, and this is all over the literature, the concept of relationship and connection. One of the things that's most destructive to a person is isolation, being isolated, being alone, being lonely. Now, there are many reasons for that. That's the way we're designed. That's the way God made the world. Partly because, as it says in the Talmud, that God wanted a world, world of mashpia and makabil, giving and receiving. If we didn't need relationships, if relationships weren't an integral part of the human experience, if we all had what we need, it would be an unkind world. In order for there to be kindness, in order for there to be giving and connection, God created us with a design that we all need to connect. Because we all have things that we can give others, and we all have things that we need from others. And the art of connection is to really connect with other people, to have a sense of real friendship, real community, and to learn how to give, and to learn how to reach out, to sometimes take when we need and be supported. And it's that support that is really healing, prevents so much heartache and so much effects of trauma, as the research tells us, but it also heals the effects of trauma, where we learn to reach out, we learn to repair our relationships, and we learn to really connect. Part of the power of connection also is we learn to go beyond ourselves. We learn to connect to the transcendent powers that the soul brings it by, connect, by going out of ourselves and connecting to other people. And finally, there's an uh, interesting concept that Tal Ben-Shachar develops. We, we talk about PTSD, and everyone, know, everyone knows what that is, post-traumatic stress disorder. But he introduces something called PTG, post-traumatic growth. Sometimes when we go through a challenge, whatever the challenge is, or whatever how traumatic it might be, we often don't understand why it's happened to us, and nor should we understand. There's lots of things that God does that we don't understand. But what we can know is that everything happens for a purpose. In other words, the distinction he makes is not just about re resilience. Resilience means when you, back, when you bounce back to the way you were before. Post-traumatic growth means you become stronger because of the experience. And knowing that, even though not understanding why something happened to us, even though it's so questionable, so difficult to accept, but knowing that despite that it's difficult to expect, accept, it has a purpose, we might not even know what the purpose is, but it's our choice and our ability to create the purpose. And if we use the experience as a teaching moment or a teaching experience, it actually becomes stronger. It makes it easier to heal from it, knowing that we can use it out to be actually become a stronger person than we were before. So there are many more, but those are just some of the ideas that we need to practice in terms of preventing effects from challenges, but also healing from challenging experiences. Okay, Rabbi Levy, you've always got a good angle. What do you say? All right, so I want to actually pick up on the loneliness issue. That, 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 that fascinates me. Um, connection and relationship. Connection and relationship, right. And, and it's not only about trauma, actually. It's about everything. Uh, relationships and, and, and not being lonely is critical to general well-being and mental health and spiritual well-being. Absolutely. So I want to analyze uh, a phenomenon which I think many people experience, that when you say people are lonely and they you know, sort of feel alone, 
it's not necessarily actually because they don't have relationships. Um, and to put this into two contexts, right? So we're part of a Jewish community, which we're very lucky. We have a community, um, which means that when something bad happens to us, there's a community that rallies around us. When something good happens to us, we have people coming to rejoice with us. And there's a feeling and sense of community. That's one of the beautiful things about, about being Jewish, being part of a Jewish community. Yet, belonging. Belonging. The, yeah, exactly, the, the sense of belonging. And yet, we find people that are in the community, they can come to shul every Shabbos, even every day. They can, people will come to their simcha, people will come to their shiva, God forbid, if, 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 if that happens. And yet, they still feel lonely. And they still feel lonely. They don't feel connected. They, they don't feel like they belong. And we'd love to analyze why that is. And, and the second sort of scenario, which is also, I think, common, I'm not sure how common it is, I, I don't know, you, you would probably know better, people that are married um, and living with someone. You know, they, they have a home together, they're building a family together, um, they're experiencing life together, and yet they feel alone, they feel lonely. Um, so let's analyze that a little bit. Why, why, why do you think that's happening? I'm, I'm sure the answer is different for both of those cases, or maybe it's the same. I mean, like in, 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 in the case of the community, is it the community's fault that some people feel alone? Is it the person's fault? Who, who's, who's sort of whose problem is this? Who should be working on this in a community that that, that you know that that, that, that some people have that that don't feel like they they belong? And in a marriage, why do some people feel alone in their marriage? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. First of all, I think you're so right. By the way, I've seen marriages where it's not even a terrible marriage. Right. It's just a dead marriage. I'm not talking about a toxic marriage or yeah, abusive. No. I'm just talking about it's like it's like yeah, it's a it's a it's a dead relationship. I mean, it's there, it's functional, the house runs and children grow up, but there's nothing there. Yeah, and it's very sad. So just before we we unpack it, I, you're reminding me of something interesting that you always talk about. You know, in the very beginning of creation, when God creates Adam and Eve. And the sentence that God says there is, It's not good for a person to be levado, which can be translated as alone. And I, I don't remember who, well, who it was. I think it's Rabbi Soloveitchik who said that perhaps the real translation of that is not that people shouldn't be alone, but people shouldn't be lonely. Hmm. Because you're so right. There can be, you can be with lots of people. You can have so many people around you. And yet, you're still lonely. And you can have less people around you. And you're not lonely. Right, I mean, in, 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 in the example of marriage, if someone has a very good marriage and they feel connected, even, they have to, even, if, they have to, even if they have to travel for three weeks or something, they don't feel that sense of loneliness because they feel like they're, there's someone out there who, who cares about them, who loves them, who thinks about them, right? Correct. You know where that, you know that was really expressed? I saw a study uh, during COVID, right? At the beginning of COVID, everyone thought that people are going to suffer from loneliness the most, the most are the older people, mm. right? Um, and yes, and many of them were affected by being alone, even physically, you know, not being able to go out and so on. But it came out actually that the people who were most affected were young people. Because older people, it turned out, had deeper relationships before COVID. Right. And in they many... Actually, in, in, they, in, they, they actually pick up the phone, they actually call people. Yeah, they actually speak to people. <laughs> and, and they really deeply connected right. to less people maybe, but deeply, more, more right. deeply. Yeah. And, when COVID, and through COVID, they maintained that depth of relationship in whichever way they could. Right. Whereas younger people, unfortunately, in our generation, actually, relationships have become a little bit more shallow, which we can talk about why, maybe, but, but it's, 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 they, they, they suffer from loneliness more, which is fascinating. Uh, with, all, with all the social media and everything that was going on, but they, 
the, the, and we know the young people were affected. They're still affected. There's a lot of busy psychologists out there who yeah. are still dealing with it, right? Absolutely. So th that's why I think your comment is really is really um, accurate and really and really on 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 target. Question is, what does all this mean, right? So I think first of all, I mean that's that. I mean you need to first of all understand that concept that a relationship doesn't mean being with another person, it means connecting to another person. And you said something else which I think is really important. Whose problem is it? Hmm. I think it's a two-way thing. I think we have, as a society, as a community, we have an obligation to create connections, which means everyone has to, right? If someone comes to a show, if someone comes to a community and there's 100 people there and he comes week in and week out and doesn't feel connected, it's everyone's fault, including that person. Relationships need effort. Connections need investments. Um, it needs reaching out. But it needs reaching out in both ways. It needs sharing. I mean, let's go back to a marriage, for example. So you talk about a marriage where people are alone, because maybe they're not really connected. They, they're living together, but they're not sharing with each other. They're not, right? So we know, I think we've talked about this before, but you know, there's a, a growing movement of vulnerability, mm. which has its merits sometimes. I think it's overused and or used in the wrong way. Now, vulnerability, in my opinion, doesn't, doesn't mean that you put on a post on Facebook all the anxieties that you had for the last 24 hours, right? So that 4,000 people should, should understand that you're having a bad day. Um, I call that neediness, not, not true vulnerability, right? Vulnerability means, as the modern literature says, when you can really be in a relationship completely. Being in a relationship means maybe you don't have a lot of friends, but the ones you do have, or the spouse you have, is someone who you can really trust, who you can open up to. Who you can show up completely, you can share everything about yourself to them. Because you trust them, because you know they won't judge you, because they will probably give you empathy. And they'll also be firm with you. They'll tell you when you're talking nonsense and when you need to get over it or whatever the case is, right? So it takes time. Creating real connections take time. And connections are not superficial. Connections are feelings of depth. Depth of connection to another person. Belonging to another person or a group of people. Yeah, absolutely. Just bringing it back to a community, that's, that's, a, that's a very interesting thing to think about. Um, I think you're right that sometimes it is, it, 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 it is a two-way street, and that's, and that's true, that people have to invest in relationships. You can't just, if you show up to a shul and you do your own thing and don't talk to anyone, you can't really complain that no one talks to you, right? That's true, um, and it reminds me of an idea that I saw once on, on the care of the ethics of our fathers, it says, which literally means to acquire for yourself a friend which is a very, it, the, the Mishnah is talking about the importance of having a mentor, having a friend. It should have said, like, make for yourself a friend. What does it mean, like, acquire, almost like, buy yourself a friend? And the idea is that friendship needs investment, it, not necessarily with money, but meaning time and, and effort, and you need to be there for other people, so people, so people can be there for you. I think it's true. I think sometimes, however, um, there are people where it's harder for them, and therefore I think the responsibility is probably more in the community than for them. If someone, for example, is going through a terrible situation, it's very, very difficult for them to be available for everyone and to sort of be out there and put themselves out there. Perhaps maybe the responsibility in that situation rests more in the community than on that individual. Is that, is that, is that correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. But I'll but I add something interesting. Like, you know, I think I mentioned in the opening message about the Talmud says that the world has to be a place of giving and receiving, right? 
You know, I know people that are wonderful, wonderful people. They're so kind, they will always reach out to others. This is like the opposite side of the coin. Right? Right. So they'll, op- they'll, they'll, they'll reach out to others, they'll give, they'll always be there. But they'll never take. They'll never say to someone, you know, I'm struggling today. I'm going through a hard time. Because just like we need to learn, just like some people fit, find it very hard to reach out and to give, and give, I mean, not only financially, to give, to help, to support others, to, 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 be, empathetic. Re- to be empathetic, to reach yeah. out to others. And that's an art you have to learn and have to practice and put in work, like you said before. But also, equally so, some people find it very hard to take support. And that's a problem because that's not the way the world works. The world works, the way Hashem made it is there's a giver and receiver. And, and everyone has to be both. Everyone has to be both because we all have... And, there's times that we all need both, and there's, and there's things that we all need both with, right? I mean, we all, have, we all have ideas that we can learn from other people, and we can share with other people. We all have emotional weaknesses and support that we can give and take. So, and, and also there's times. I mean, sometimes we need to know that maybe we're more of a giving person, and we're great at reaching out, but there's sometimes that we go through a, a time that we have to just... Ironically, learn. both problems, both people who have a problem giving and both who have a problem receiving, I think actually both stem from the same problem. They both come from arrogance. Someone is too arrogant to to give. Like, why should I care about anyone else? Like, I'm the you know I'm the only person that matters. Sort of being more more narcissistic, and someone who refuses who refuses to receive is also actually in a way an arrogance. It's like saying, I'm good the way I am. I don't need anyone else. Like, how can I say? How can I make myself vulnerable and say I I, I need someone else? Like. I'm perfect the way I am. I, I, I need someone else to give me things. I, I have everything that I need. So it does take a sense so, of humility to acknowledge that actually I don't have everything I need. And I do need other people in my life. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's exactly right. Or maybe put a little, sometimes maybe put it a little bit differently is, is um, a sense of insecurity, which is also a form of arrogance, where I'm so self-protective that I think if I do reach out, that means it's a weakness. I, I, I'm not perfect. Right, so it's the same thing. It's right. also exactly what you're yeah. saying. It's arrogance, but it's a little bit of saying like, I, I can't because then I'm you know I always like to present myself as a perfect person, and there are people that do that, and that's sometimes we call it insecurity, but really subtly it's a form of arrogance because it means I have to be perfect. What we need to know is that no, we're not perfect, and that's okay, as we spoke about last, last week. week yeah. Right? I I actually am struggling today, and there's and there's actually I do need help, and I'd like to reach out to you and. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person or a weak person or an imperfect person or a fragile person because I've, got, I've always got intrinsic worth and intrinsic value, but I'm not perfect. No one's perfect. Therefore, it's okay to reach out for help. So I think both things are true. I think what, you, what we're saying basically is comes back to the point that relationships and connection are so important, but we actually need to work at it. It's, it's a, it, 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 it is actually hard work. Yeah. I think anything good in life doesn't come easy. You have to actually work on it. It would be interesting to discuss why... Why do you think it is? And I think I'm, I'm sure there's many answers to this question. Why would someone find it hard to? Let's discuss the person who finds it hard to take. Why? Why does a person find it hard to open up and be ready to accept from other people, whether it's accept encouragement or even financial help or empathy, whatever it is? Why would someone be close to that? What causes a person to be like that? So. In addition to what we just said before about sort of insecurity, there's also another issue, and that is, that's where, see, that's why this thing is holistic and needs to be both ways in society, right? Because also people need to feel confident that they can do that, right? 
Imagine if, if someone reaches out and then gets a cold shoulder. Right. Or gets rejected. Or gets judged. You know? Imagine you go and sit down with someone and say, you know, I'm really struggling with a problem. I'm really, uh, I'm not feeling well or emotionally. I'm just, you know. And someone says to them, well, you know, I told you you should have done X, Y, and Z. I mean, can you imagine what that does to a person, right? Right. Um, and that doesn't mean, by the way, that when someone reaches out to you for help, you can't be demanding, but it's going to be demanding in a context of empathy, yeah. right? And and in the context of believing in the person. I mean, I you know, I always re- reflect back to uh, the Rebbe, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who I think was one of the most demanding people, right? He never had a conversation with someone without demanding something. Yeah. But it was always, and yet people shared everything. They shared all their, they bared their soul to him. Um, because one thing you always knew that when you stood in front of the Rebbe or you spoke to the Rebbe um, and there's many videos to, that, that sort of bring out this point of, of how he interacted with people it was never in the context of judgment it was in the con- you felt heard, accepted, loved and then in the context of that love and because of that exactly, he's, you're he's so expecting good. something from you exactly, you're so good so you can do more than this right. you, can, you can heal, you can, yeah. you can do it I think in your opening message, you spoke about mindfulness and being present and, and how important that is and how important relationships are. I think they're both connected, actually. Maybe part of the problem, why people are feeling lonely in a relationship, let's say in a marriage, is because they're never really present in that marriage. It's like, yeah, you can live in the same house as someone, but when you're going from one thing to another and you barely sit down to speak to each other, and when you are speaking to each other, you're thinking about 15 other things, there's never a time even you can you can you can uh, bond with one another. Um, we live in a world where everything is so rushed and everyone's so busy. I think we need to be a little bit more more present in in our relationships. You know, you just sparked something um, by saying that because part of building relationships is listening. Right. Really listening. I mean, truly listening, right? If, you, if your mind is swirling around in a hundred things, you can't really listen. I mean, you can physically listen, physiologically, but you're not listening, you're not there. So, absolutely. Presence. Hearing and not listening. Right, you're hearing and not listening, exactly. In Yiddish, there's a two words for it, right? Hair and their hair. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, there's a fascinating study that I saw in one of Dr. Pelkowitz's books, and that is that did a study that since the advancements of technology and, 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 and iPhones and smartphones and things like that, they've actually been able to research it and test it and measure it, that empathy has dropped. And that's because you're not noticing things. You're more absorbed in your own world. Right. Yeah. People are more absorbed in their own world. Um, and because of that, creating much more superficial relationships, like on social media and things like that, but they're not actually present in their real relationships. And they're not noticing. So there's listening, noticing, in order to, have, in order, not, in order to really understand the needs of the other person, in order to really understand what that person is is wanting from you, is saying to you, is reaching out to you, you need to notice. You need to notice their body language. You need to notice the nuances of their expression. You need to, you need to, be, you need to be present, as you say, like present. Yeah. That's why you're right. Presence and, and connection are very much connected. Yeah. Well, let's get some, some practical advice. So people have very busy lives. They want to make their marriage less lonely. What would you, say, what, what would you tell such a person? In a very practical way. Well, I mean, obviously it depends on the situation, like, you know, the family and the kids. But I think, first of all, as families, rule number one, you've got to find times during the week to eat together, have meals together. There's research about that, by the way. And you think, oh, we have Shabbos. Yeah, Shabbos is a great time. But maybe Shabbos isn't enough on that. It's just, that's once a week. And the, yeah, I mean, if that... But then even then, 
but you've got to put everything needs effort. This is the this is the point that this generation does another problem in our generation, right? That we think everything's, you know, you click a button and it happens. Right. Nothing happens by a click of a button. We we can't remote control relationships or any other meaningful connection. So you need to structure that meal you eat together. And it needs to be first of all with no mobile phones. You know, not everyone can get off their mobile phone all day. I mean, that's just the reality, right? It's yeah, part of life. But there needs to be times when you do that. And there needs to be, like, there's discussion and there's real listening and people are respectfully listening to each other and not interrupting each other and all that kind of stuff. And, and it's amazing what it, what it does. It's a time of presence. Yeah. Um, we also have to be honest with people. Like, don't do two things at the same time. Like, if someone comes and's talking to you and, you and you're not really listening, tell them you're not really listening. No, say, say, I'm preoccupied with something right now. I do want to listen. Can we do it in half an hour? Like, you know, with children, even with adults, that happens. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because people hate it when you say, I'm listening, you know. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, probably parents tend to do that to their children a lot. Yeah, it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm even, sort of listening to you, but I'm doing 15 Yeah, but even, even spouses do that sometimes. And yeah. I've been guilty of that a number of times. And, 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 uh, and that's the and, and then also we need to as a society as a community we need to practice reaching out to other people and reaching out to other people in a giving sense to find out if they're okay to notice them to ask them how they're doing and to reach out to other people close people in a meaningful way not in a needy way but in a meaningful way when we need support and know that it's okay to do that okay brilliant see you all next week if you enjoyed, please send any feedback. If uh, you have any questions, comments, arguments, we'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. Have a wonderful week. Thank you for listening to The JP Show. For questions, comments, and feedback, please email rabbig at bina, B-I-N-A, dot com, dot A-U. See you next time.